0: All righty, well, good morning, everyone. Glad to have you here with us this morning. If I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, uh, my name's Tyson. I'm one of the pastors on the team here at Callwood Church, and we're, we're glad that you're here to worship uh, together this morning. so thanks for taking time out of your Sunday to be here. Uh, there was a new documentary that came out in July of this year on a 2015 scandal on the Canadian website called Ashley Madison. Now, if you're not familiar with that site, That is more than okay. It's probably actually even a good thing. Founded in Canada in 2002, Ashley Madison was an online dating service with the cavalier slogan, life is short, have an affair. On the website's homepage, it said, Ashley Madison is the most famous name in infidelity and married dating. Have an affair today on Ashley Madison. Thousands of cheating wives and husbands sign up every day looking for an affair. With our affair guarantee package, we guarantee that you will find the perfect affair partner. Yeah, we're, we're just diving right in today, folks. Uh, Noel Biderman, uh, the former CEO of Ashley Madison's parent company, insisted that the site was actually romantic and maybe even good for families. Seated next to his wife, Amanda, on a Nightline documentary, he said, I see this as a platform to help people stay married. What I'm just trying to do is help people have a more perfect affair. Now, you may hear all this and you may think, wow, I have some thoughts. I also have some thoughts. The thing is, Biderman's bet on cheating and, and the fact that it could be profitable seem to be correct. The company notched in 2014 $150 million in revenues. From its 36 million users, $150 million. Then in the summer of 2015, the story kind of takes an interesting turn. Hackers who identified themselves only as Team Impact hacked the Ashley Madison website and threatened to release the data of its 36 million users from across 46 different countries, including people's names, phone numbers, addresses, and credit card numbers, if the website was not shut down. The company ignored the warnings because they were on the verge of becoming a publicly traded company uh, with a valuation of $1 billion. So the company kept their site online after this data breach, promising customers that the security of its networks were good. With no action from Ashley Madison, the team Impact Hackers released the user data in July of 2015, and with it, a whole host of fallout came with it. People's lives were turned upside down, including the CEO of the company as it was revealed he had also been using the site despite denying it. Shortly after, he was removed as the CEO. And after a couple of years of lawsuits, in July of 2017, Ashley Madison's parent company agreed to settle the over two dozen lawsuits stemming from this data breach for $11.2 million. Talk about a messy situation. And with a follow like this, you'd expect that people would be nervous and would stop using the website, but the opposite happened, and the new CEO in 2019 of the company shared that they had almost 600,000 new subscribers signing up monthly, and it's believed that there are still 30 million plus users worldwide today. Now, I know this isn't the lightest way to start the message today. Some of you might be like, why did I invite my friend to church today? Or if you're brand new, you're like, what did I just walk into today? Now, I don't mean for this to be heavy, but, but it's a real topic. And the reality is, adultery is a big part of our world today. And sites like Ashley Madison have made it a multi-million dollar industry. Because this is the world that we live in, the words that were written thousands of years ago in Exodus chapter 20 still challenge and confront us today. And these words are from Exodus 20:14: You shall not commit adultery. That's what we're going to be jumping into today, so let's pray. God, thank you so much for this time together. Thank you for your word, that it still speaks to us today, that it challenges us, that it causes us to look at our hearts and to examine our hearts before you. And so I pray that today, Lord, in our time together, you would use these words, use my words, Lord, Holy Spirit to point us to you, Jesus, to encourage us, to challenge us so that we would walk out of this place looking more like you, God, and loving more like you as well. In your name we pray these things, amen. amen. Now, with that introduction, a bit of a content warning, we're going to be talking about some sensitive topics today as we talk about adultery, and with that can be some mature themes. So if uh, you got parents in the room today, I just want to give you a heads up about where we're going if you have kids with you. Uh, If you have not been with us for this series, we are in a series called Relationship Over Rule. And this series, we are looking at the Ten Commandments from Exodus chapter 20. And we're talking about how this series of Ten Commandments often can be looked at as a list of rules, a list of do's and don'ts. But they're actually given by God to Israel to define the parameters of their relationship God has saved Israel from slavery in Egypt and has chosen them to be his representatives to the world, showing other nations who God is and what his character is like. And through Israel, the world is supposed to see the goodness of God and see a different way to live. And this is why Israel needs to look differently than the nations around them and why each commandment or each word by God given to Israel is about preserving relationship with God And also relationship with others. And while these words were written thousands of years ago. We believe that they are not just words for Israel back then. But are still applicable and filled with wisdom for us today. And this week we get to the seventh word given by God. Do not commit adultery. Last week Pastor James did a great job of talking about the sixth command. Do not murder. And near the beginning of his message he said that most of us when we hear do not murder. We can check out thinking well I haven't done that so I'm good to go. And there can be a similar feeling as we start talking about adultery today. A large percentage of us probably haven't had this as a part of our story. So we can think, well, this doesn't apply to me, so I'm good to go. You might I well, I'm not married, I don't have to worry about it. Or maybe I am married and I haven't had an affair, and so I'm good to go. And in a second, I'm going to read a scripture that shows that this is not just a word for those of us who've had an affair, but it's a word for all of us today, both married and single. But before I get to that scripture and go any further with this morning's message, let me just pause for a moment up front and say this. If you are someone who has had an affair or has stepped out on a marriage, the last thing that I want to add to your shoulders today is more shame and condemnation. We are going to be talking about adultery today, and that may be tough for you, but I want you to know that you are loved by God, that he has not condemned you, and you are not defined for the rest of your life by that decision. There may be pain and consequences from the choices you've made, but God still has a hope and a future for you today, and we love you, and we're glad that you are here. And for those who have had a spouse step out on them, I also want to say we love you, and I'm sorry for the pain that you are experiencing. The broken trust, the hurt that you are carrying from their decision. And we love you, and we're not here to add any more weight or hurt to your journey. I am sorry for what you've experienced, and I hope and pray that you'll sense God's healing and his love for you today. And this is a real topic that affects a lot of lives, and that's why it's one that we can't just kind of check out on and say, this doesn't apply to me. And in the New Testament, Jesus takes what was said in Exodus And he actually takes it to another level. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 to 30, Jesus says these words, "'You've heard that it was said, "'You shall not commit adultery. "'But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully "'has already committed adultery with her in his heart. "'If your right eye causes you to stumble, "'gouge it out and throw it away. "'It is better for you to lose one part of your body "'than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. "'And if your right hand causes you to stumble, "'cut it off and throw it away.' It's better for you to lose one part of your body for than your whole body to go into hell. Now, over my years of pastoring and honestly reflecting on my own life and story as well, I've come to see that often our approach when it comes to sin, especially sexual sin like adultery, can kind of be like this. We can kind of put down this line on the ground and we can kind of ask the question, how close can I get to that line without going over how close can I get to, if this side is adultery and this side is not adultery, how close can I get to that line and still be okay? Well, I, I know that I'm texting with this person and messaging with them, but nothing physical has happened yet. Am I still good? Or maybe for those of us in the room, it's, I'm, I'm looking at pornography, but it's not a physical person who's right in front of me. Like that, that I'm still good, right? I haven't crossed over that line. Maybe it's, you know, we've been hanging out and we've been connecting, but nothing has happened yet. I'm still okay, right? I haven't crossed that line into adultery. And we can kind of approach a sin like adultery with how close can I get to that line and still be okay? How close can I get without stepping over and doing something that I know is maybe too far? Our approach can often be like that when it comes to sin and sexual sin like adultery. Now let's contrast that with what Jesus just said a moment ago. If you have looked at someone lustfully in your heart, you have already committed adultery. Now where's that line compared to that? That line's probably somewhere way back here. Before we get anywhere close to this line over here of committing adultery, Jesus tells us and encourages us to check this line way back here to check have we allowed adultery into our hearts before we ever get close to that line where there is no doubt anymore. Jesus flips the script and shows us that our focus shouldn't be on how close can we get to this line, but about dealing with it before it ever gets close to that line. And with moving the line, he also levels the playing field. It can be easy for those of us who have not had an affair to look at others who have and to judge them to say, how could they have done that? Don't they know the hurt that it's causing? It can be so easy for us to judge and look at people. And Jesus moves that line back and levels the playing field and says to all of us today, you are no different if you are looking at others lustfully, even if nobody else sees it. And with this teaching, Jesus uproots some deep and important lies when it comes to adultery. Uh, The first one is this, it's not just our actions that matter, our heart is where it starts. Before I was a pastor, during my time in Bible college, I would work in the summers at a senior's home in Saskatoon. And one of the things that I would do when I worked at the senior's home was I was in charge of the landscaping and taking care of the lawns. And it's where I came to appreciate a nice green lawn. Is anybody with me on that? Which is makes it so frustrating when you live in Victoria in the summer. Does anybody have a green lawn right now? It's like just fried here. If you have a green lawn, come tell me how you're doing it. But during my time working there, one of my supervisors told me, when you're pulling a weed, make sure you get its roots or it will just grow back. Fast forward to this summer and I have this massive weed in my backyard and I didn't have time to really kind of properly go get it. And so I just kind of ripped the top of it off thinking, okay, I dealt with it for now. Two weeks later, that thing is back with a vengeance, bigger than ever, and it's just massive in our backyard. Did I mention it's almost impossible to grow a perfect yard here? Sometimes I think we can approach a topic like adultery similarly to trying to like, get rid of a weed in our yard. We can attempt to keep ourselves from adultery with a behavioral modification approach. If I do these behaviors and don't do these behaviors, I'm going to be good to go. But the problem with this approach is is it's kind of like cutting away the top part of the weed, but not getting the root of it. What Jesus is getting at in Matthew chapter 5 and what scripture teaches time and time again is that it's not just about our actions. The heart is the start. Matthew chapter 15 puts it this way. For out of the heart evil comes, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander, Going back into the Old Testament, Proverbs chapter 4, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. From the heart comes everything. Adultery and crossing that line doesn't just happen. It starts in a place within us that no one else can see. I love the way that Pastor Albert Tate sums this idea up. He says, We commit adultery in our hearts before it shows up in our hands. And this is why Jesus cares so much and is so concerned with our hearts because our heart is where our thoughts, our words, and our actions all originate. It's also why Jesus moves that line back in Matthew chapter five to our hearts. It's not about how close I can get to that line, but about how much distance I can put between myself and that line so that my heart can stay pure and connected to God and to my spouse if I have one. To go back to the lawn in the weed illustration from a moment ago, like temptation, we can't control when a weed pops up in our lawn. Have you ever had a neighbor where you have a great lawn, but your neighbor doesn't care for their lawn and weeds just pop up from their lawn? It's a great neighbor. The easiest time though, even though we can't control when weeds pop up in our lawn, the easiest time to deal with a weed is when it's small, when the root hasn't gone deep. It is so much easier to deal with a weed when it is tiny. And that is why Jesus invites us to deal with our lust and the small temptations that we have in our hearts. For our lives and our lawns, early care is best. Dealing with things when they are small is key. And that is what Jesus tells us when he says it all starts in the heart. The first lie that Jesus exposes with this teaching is that it's not just our actions that matter. He shows us that what is in our hearts counts too. The second lie that Jesus exposes is that adultery is not just physical or sexual, but it can be emotional as well. Because adultery starts in our hearts, it is not just what we do with our hands or our bodies, it is actually who we allow our hearts to become connected to or attached to. Not always, but often, before there is a physical affair, an emotional affair has taken place already. And usually, an emotional affair starts off innocently enough. You start talking with a coworker or a neighbor or an old classmate or someone that you met, and you start connecting with them. And if you're being honest, a little part of you knows that your spouse, if they found out, or your significant other, might be a bit uncomfortable, but you don't think it's a big deal. There's nothing to it until there is. And you start to feel drawn to this person and an attraction begins and you start to share things with this person that you know you probably shouldn't be sharing. And it feels good because he or she gets you and understands you in a way that maybe your spouse does not. You might not be meeting up with this person to connect sexually but you know that your spouse would be hurt if he or she found out. Even if it isn't a full-blown affair. Over time, if you're being really honest, you would say that your heart has begun to be connected to someone who is not your spouse. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, it's not an emotional affair. I'm just friends with this person. Am I not allowed to have friends of the opposite sex? Well, to to use the tape line that I put down earlier, if we were to say that there's a difference between a healthy platonic friendship and an emotional affair... Here are nine signs that maybe you've stepped over that line moving from a healthy friendship with someone of the opposite sex into an emotional affair. And I got these from a peer reviewed website of counselors and psychologists who actually work with couples. Nine signs that you might be having an emotional affair. The first one is frequent contact. Are you texting with this person all the time? Are you calling this person all the time? Maybe it's at hours that you know it's not appropriate. Frequent sharing. When you have something good or bad happen in your life, is this the first person that comes to mind that you wanna share with them before maybe your spouse? Constant thoughts. Is this person popping up in your mind over and over again and you, you can't wait to hang out with them and you're thinking about them when you're not with them? Feeling understood. Is there someone who gets you in a way that maybe your spouse or your partner is not getting you? Inappropriate sharing. A great telltale if you stepped over that line have you started talking trash about your partner or your spouse to that other person? Unfair comparisons. Have you started to compare that person and say, well, they're so much more this, and I need that. My partner or my spouse isn't that, and they're so much more gifted or, or great in that way. Two that kind of go together spending more time together with that person and less time with your spouse. If you know that that area is growing and you're more connected to that person and you're less connected to your spouse, that might be a marker that you've stepped over that line. And lastly, secrecy. Are you keeping this relationship or how deep this relationship is connected a secret from anyone? If there's one other one that I would add, I would add this. If your spouse is not comfortable with the relationship, that's a bit of a red flag for you to examine it. If you are rationalizing the relationship with, we're just friends, but your spouse is uncomfortable, that might be another marker that maybe you've stepped over that line into an emotional affair. And the truth is, emotional affairs don't just happen suddenly out of the blue. It actually takes time and effort to build an emotional connection with another person. So let me ask you, as you do an audit of your relationships, is there anyone that might fit into these categories in your life? Is there someone who, if you were all alone with maybe just your journal, you'd admit that your heart has grown more attached to than your spouse? For anyone who's single in the room today, is there anyone that you are friends with who's in a married or in, or in a relationship that may have crossed this line? Now today, we, you might be listening and, and you know that there is a relationship that's maybe crossed that line into an emotional affair. Or maybe earlier when we were talking about our hearts, you would say, you know what? Other people might not see it, but I am really struggling with lust. Something that is deep rooted there. And in both cases, you might say you haven't crossed that line into physical adultery. But if the marker is where Jesus placed it back in our hearts over here, what do we do about crossing that line? And this is where Jesus again is so helpful. Ready for his solution? Here it is. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to go into hell. There you have it. Now, before we start pulling out knives and doing really rash things in the room today, I don't think that what Jesus is saying is that we should physically do that. Otherwise, there would be a whole lot of one-eyed and one-armed Christians out there Our hands and our eyes don't cause us or make us sin. Removing them won't cure lust or the emotional affair that we've allowed into our hearts. But what Jesus is teaching is to take seriously and cut out things that are causing us to sin. If you know a certain relationship or situation or habit is leading you into sin, what would it take for you to remove it or to cut it out from your life? Maybe you know immediately where you are most tempted or what relationship needs to be cut out. Maybe it means you need to delete Instagram for a season because it's causing your heart to wander. Or maybe you're DMing with someone who's not your spouse and it's not an appropriate relationship. Maybe you're struggling with pornography and you know that you need to get rid of your computer or internet access at home or deal with it in a, in a more strict and severe way than you are right now because you're stuck in that cycle. I have a friend, one of my good friends, who was really deeply struggling with pornography, and he he took these words from Jesus so seriously. What he did is he actually went back to a flip phone and he cut off his internet access at home because he said, I want to do whatever it takes to get out of this grip that pornography has on my life. He took it seriously and he said, I don't want to struggle with this anymore. And let me ask you this question, is there anything in your life that you know you need to, like a weed, cut it out at the root? And if there is something that comes to mind, let me ask you this follow-up question, what's your hesitation? What's holding you back from taking that step towards something that will bring you freedom, that will bring you healing, that will bring you life? Jesus says to all of us to take it seriously, do whatever it takes so that this sin will not have a hold on you. It's better to have cut something off than it is for it to ruin your relationship or ruin your lives. This is the kind of love that God has for us today, friends, and why Jesus moves that line back into our hearts is he doesn't want our lives to be ruined by adultery, He doesn't want our relationships to cause pain like adultery does. We all know and we've all experienced what happens in the fallout of that. It is painful. Relationships are damaged. People's trust is broken. And Jesus doesn't want that to come to pass. He doesn't want you or anyone else to be hurt by it. And as we come to a close this morning, what I want to leave you with today is that everything that we talked about all comes back to God's love for us today. All that we have talked about is not just about our fidelity or our faithfulness to someone else, but ultimately this is grounded in God's faithfulness towards us. Part of how we deal with what is in our hearts is to, yes, cut it out. But an equally big, if not bigger part, is that we need to realize only God can fully satisfy the temptation to give into sexual sin like adultery comes from a desire to fill a void in our hearts. That void might be loneliness or a desire for intimacy or pleasure or comfort or whatever you might fill that void in with. But all of our desires for a partner point to a deeper desire in our design. A desire for intimacy with God. In John 6.35, Jesus says that he is the bread of life. He is the one who can fill us and satisfy us. He says that he is the living water. Only he can satisfy our greatest desire. And once we change our appetite towards seeing that no earthly thing can fully fill our desires, and we recognize that only God can do that, it will change our perspective and our lens on the world. I love the way that C.S. Lewis sums this idea up. He says, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we are made for another world. I, I don't know how to put this more bluntly, but another person is not the answer to what you're going through. Stepping out on your marriage is not the answer. It will not bring the hope and the freedom that you are hoping for. If we sense that desire inside of ourselves that cannot be fulfilled because for another encounter, another person is not going to fill that void in our hearts. Only God can do that. If we sense and see that, it's a marker to show us that we are made for something more. We were ultimately made for a relationship with God. And when we see how faithful and loving God is, even when we are unfaithful, that is what drives and fuels our faithfulness to one another. Whether you are married or single today, I wanna remind you that God is the only perfect spouse. In scripture, it says that we are his bride and he is our groom. And he is a groom who loves us even when we are unfaithful, even when we fall short. Even when we step out and turn our attention somewhere else, God is the faithful, perfect spouse. And he is the only one who can fully satisfy. And today, if you are feeling guilt or shame, remember that God has loved you despite your sin. And he has chosen to stay with you even if you have been unfaithful. He welcomes you into his arms and he is eager to heal you. He is more forgiving, more kind, and more eager. Than you can ever imagine adultery and emotional affair and other kinds of sexual sin are not things that have to define you for the rest of your life. But we do have to turn from our sin and turn towards the one who can bring healing and hope to our story. God is our groom. And he is faithful and he is good. And that is why we as his bride and his people choose love through faithfulness instead of adultery. Because of the love that we have received, we return that kind of love to our spouses, to our partners and to others. That kind of faithfulness is the type of faithfulness God has given to each one of us. And we now get a chance to give that kind of faithfulness to the world around us. Let's pray together this morning. As we were worshiping, the word that I just kept getting for this morning's gathering at the 11 was just this word of hope. And I just had this picture of a ray of sunshine breaking in to darkness. I just feel this this urge to say to you today, if if it looks dark, if it looks bleak, if it looks like there is no light, there is hope in Jesus today for you. If you are stuck in a cycle of addiction and you say, it's never gonna be different, I'm always gonna be here. I want you to know there's hope for you today. If you are carrying baggage and weight that feels too heavy to carry, I want you to know there's a light breaking into that darkness, you are not alone today. There is hope in Jesus today for all of us. So Lord, for us today, this morning, I pray that God, you would give us a sense of the overwhelming, faithful love that you have given to us, that even in our lowest moments, even in the moments where we have completely screwed up and got it wrong, you still called us loved even there. That is the type of spouse that you are to us. That is the type of groom that you are as we are your bride that you do not leave us, that you are faithful and you hold on. And so God, today I pray for us that we would see that kind of love and we would receive it, that we would understand that there is nothing that we can earn. You have called us loved like that already, not by our own strength, but by your goodness and your faithfulness. And so for those of us, Lord, in the room today, we would say, you know what? There is some stuff in my heart I gotta deal with Maybe I've allowed my heart to be connected to someone who's not my spouse. I pray that God, the shame and condemnation of that would just fade away and that it would lead us back to you towards healing, towards hope. God, give us wisdom for the things that we do have to cut out, but also help that hole and that void in our hearts and in our lives to be first and foremost satisfied by you. God, you are good. And you are faithful even when we mess up and fall short. And because of your faithfulness, I pray that you would equip us and strengthen us to have that kind of faithful love in our relationships. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, if you're brand new to church, you're brand new to faith today, and you're saying, you know what? I want to know more about that God who's faithful and loves me. I invite you to text the word LIFE to 250 478 One of our pastors would love to, to connect with you, to hear more of your story, and to, and to walk with you as you're starting your journey of following Jesus. We're gonna head out uh, into this week, church, and I wanna encourage us, let's head out and love faithfully like our God has loved us. Have an amazing week.